0: You are listening to a podcast of the Fleming Foundation. We are an organization pursuing real learning, original scholarship, and thoughtful living in a dying age. Welcome back to another episode of Islam, the real truth about the religion of peace. I'm Stephen Heiner, and with me today is Dr. Serge Troufkovich. Dr. Troufkovich, thanks for joining us again. Good to be with you. When we last ended, uh, When we ended our last episode, we were speaking about the idea of Arabic being central to the translation of the Qur'an and that the the Qur'an is really only truly read in Arabic and everything else is simply a rendering or an interpretation. It isn't definitive. But this speaks to the larger issue of the the Arab central notion of Islam. Whereas, again, as we understand with Christianity, whether you are in Africa or in Asia or in the United States, Christianity is able to adapt to the culture and incorporate. If we see, for example, an image of the of the Madonna and Child from China, she is adorned with uh, native clothing. She has features, or the famous uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe, she is uh, she looks like a, a native Indian of, of that area. What is important for our listeners to understand regarding Islam and how? people outside of Arabia are related to this uh, religion? They Are they allowed to bring with them their own culture and their own heritage, or must they adopt uh, that
1: of Arabia? Uh, the important word in this contest is Jawahilia. It's the period before Islam, uh, the period of ignorance and darkness. And uh, when we see the Taliban destroying uh, the statues of Buddha or the Islamic State destroying uh, the temples of uh, Palmyra. It's not just uh, uh, idiosyncratic behavior of some extremist fringe. It started with Muhammad destroying all of the idols in uh, the Meccan uh, century when he conquered Mecca. It implies a fundamental rapture uh, and uh, one of his followers, according to the Hadith, declared that Islam rendered all links asunder, that it is no longer the same person after conversion and that that person, that new man, is in fact willing to slay his own brother if ordered to do so by the Prophet. So there is something akin to uh, the Jacobin or the Bolshevik mindset, something very important, uh, the creation of the new Islamic man. Uh, This is also reflected in uh, the way in which Islam imposed uh, its dress code, its uh, uh, forms of, of social intercourse, on uh, uh, the converted uh, tribes and peoples, most notably in the case of the Ottoman Turks, uh, even though uh, true Arabs always retained a certain degree of condescending uh, contempt for these Janikam Lakelis who took over the mantle of of Islam and Caliphate. Uh, nevertheless. Uh, in in the final three centuries of uh, its existence, uh, as the Arab world sank into decrepitude, it was the Ottoman Empire that was the only torch-bearer. The one society that managed to preserve, uh, the one Muslim society that managed to preserve more in the way of the remembrance of the past and uh, even some degree of pride in its pre-Islamic existence is Persian and uh, this may be explained, one, by the fact that uh, Shia Islam is uh, less insistent on uh, uh, the primacy of the Arabic heritage and even the Arabic race, uh, which is to be found in Hadith, not in in, in the Quran, Uh, and two, by the fact that uh, uh, one-and-a-half millennium of pre-Islamic uh, imperial tradition provided uh, too solid a base, uh, both uh, with the Sassanids and uh, with Cyrus the Great and Darius the Great, and uh, uh, the glory that was the Persian Empire, the greatest empire the world had known until that time, at the time of, uh, of the Persian Wars, uh, was uh, that legacy was too significant and too deeply rooted to be eradicated. On the other hand, uh, for an Arabic society which did not know statehood, uh, which did not know uh, any form of uh, administrative and legal uh, organization resembling statehood of uh, the Byzantine or Persian Empire of that time, it was far easier to draw the line and start anew. In the case of North Africa, uh, the newly arrived uh, Visigothic and Ostrogothic tribes, which uh, invaded from uh, the Straits of Gibraltar and uh, spread eastward, along the shores, southern shores of the Mediterranean, had not been able to establish firm structures, and uh, their Christianity was too weak, and sometimes heterodox, so that uh, the new Islamic layer was quickly able to extinguish what had been before, except in the case of the Copts, who again could Uh, rely upon the tradition of uh, uh, Egyptian antiquity, and who regarded themselves, with uh, ample justification, as uh, the inheritors of of that tradition. So, uh, in response to your question, I think we can say that the deeper the pre-Islamic roots of culture and statehood, uh, the more likely it would be for some traces of pre-Islamic values and uh, cultural uh, models to be preserved, albeit in a somewhat altered form. But uh, where you start from scratch, or where you start with a primitive tribal society, like in the case of the Seljuk Turks and later on the Ottoman Turks, then uh, the models are established by Muhammad in uh, Mecca and Medina, would be prevalent. As we see, for instance, in the Indian subcontinent, where very little of uh, the pre-Islamic tradition has been preserved in the case of uh, the Muslims in Pakistan or Bangladesh, or even the Muslims in India itself.
0: Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that the uh, the Iranians, the Persians, uh, would, would hold up. Uh, I know for for the, the Persians, I know how proud they are. They talk about the French being proud, but the, uh, it, it's, I suppose, a compliment that even Islam couldn't uh, make the Persians forget their inheritance. Does this mean, would you say, Dr. Drifkovich, that the Muslims in Indonesia or in Malaysia or in Bangladesh? are in a certain sense second-class Muslims in that they're not really reading the Quran, they don't really participate in this culture, they're just aspiring to be part of this Arabian language and culture by proxy.
1: That is certainly the way that uh, the Saudis as the guardians of the faith perceive them. And uh, it is manifested even in the treatment of uh, those people who come as laborers to Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, to Qatar, Kuwait, and uh, they're treated as uh, not as uh, brothers, fellow Muslims, who can advance uh, in the society, become naturalized citizens, and acquire positions of power and influence. They're always treated as second-class citizens. In fact, not much better than uh, say, Christian Filipinos, uh, uh, and certainly far worse than uh, the respected Christian or post-Christian agnostic West European and North American experts and consultants, without whom those societies would not be able to function. Uh, In addition, uh, it is important to bear in mind that memorizing Arabic Quran, is uh, a key element of the curriculum of the madrasas in uh, the non-Arab world, even though uh, those young men do not uh, understand what they're saying. So they're memorizing the words without knowing their meaning, because only if spoken in the true Quranic language, which is Arabic, does it have uh, the imprint, imprint of authenticity. And uh, of course, uh, learning fluent Arabic is the absolute must, whether you go to to Cairo or to uh, Saudi Arabia for your religious training. Uh, I must add that uh, uh, it is not to be compared to the use of Latin in uh, the Roman Catholic Church, because uh, the problem with translation was uh, more of a technical than theological issue until Gutenberg invented the printing press and until uh, Erasmus started in the early 16th century, uh, the uh, hunger for translation into vernacular, which, by the way, had already been accepted in uh, the Eastern Church uh, with Cyril and Methodius who translated the Gospels and liturgy into Church Slavonic uh, seven centuries earlier. However, uh, because there was no a priori theological barrier to uh, the use of the vernacular, once it started spreading, it spread like wildfire and within a few hundred years, there was hardly uh, a language known to man into which Christian gospels or the Bible as a whole had not been translated.
0: And, and to your point about Arabic being the language, while Latin was the language for the and, and still is for the, the, Roman, the Roman Church, the liturgy of St. John Chrysostom is used by all of the Eastern rites of the Church, and they are given equal status, and they are not told that they need to celebrate the Roman rite or, or die, <laughs> as it may be. Uh, and the liturgy of St. John Chrysostom dates to the 4th century, so it's older uh, than the, the Roman rite in that sense, the codified Roman rite, which we know from the time of St. Gregory the Great. So uh, there's equal status there given in Christianity, which we don't see uh, in, in Islam. Uh,
1: In fact, one could say that uh, in terms of doctrine and uh, in terms of uh, fundamental teaching, the difference between Roman Catholics and uh, Eastern Orthodox is uh, far less than history and uh, uh, centuries of growing apart have made it look. Uh, the, The real Schism and uh, and and the real unbridgeable gap one might say comes between both Orthodox and Catholic on the one side, and uh, the Calvinists on the other, with their doctrine of dual predestination and uh, with uh, inno- innovative elements of uh, uh, fundamental teaching which uh, depart from uh, uh, from what uh, the church fathers and the early councils had established as the norm.
0: As we started the episode, I talked about the, the Arabo central notion of Islam, but there's also a Mohammed central. Uh, there was this re- refusal, uh, well, there is still a refusal for uh, Muslims to allow themselves to be called Mohammedans. But I heard you use a phrase, biheism to relate the treatment of Muhammad to Allah and within the conception of of who God is and what his messages are. What do you mean when you say by theism?
1: Uh, That on the one hand, Muhammad is simply the seal of prophets, the last of prophets. He is human. But on the other, uh, he himself set uh, his own example, his own words and his own deeds as the standard for all Muslims to emulate, and it has uh, become a veritable mania since. In fact, already in his lifetime, uh, the imitatio Muhammadi uh, became de rigueur for his followers, and uh, uh, or already in the Medinan uh, v- verses of the Quran, he starts, or rather, Allah uh, starts. Uh, pointing Muhammad as the model for humanity to be obeyed along with God. He is a, quote, mercy for all creatures and God calls blessings in him. Islam was fast becoming institutionalized as state religion of Medina at that time and this is felt with ethics and law. They denounce hypocrites who converted from fear or or compulsion, and uh, uh, the the example of Muhammad becomes obligatory. Uh, It is even manifested in uh, uh, the frequency of his name in the Muslim world. (laughs) Oddly enough, uh, Muhammad is uh, the most frequent boy's name even in some West European countries nowadays. Uh, So what we have is really a a degree of schizophrenia where on the one hand uh, he modestly disclaims any divinity but on the other uh, both through the Quranic verses and through the institution of uh, emulation of his personal example, which then becomes almost obsessive. Which hand do you use to clean yourself? Uh, Which shoe do you put on first? And so on, Uh, very trivial things, even to the point of how you cut your beard and uh, how long or short your trouser legs should be. So uh, it really reflects the normative nature of Islam. even on far more important issues, you're not allowed to use your personal judgment or to deploy any yardstick of uh, natural morality because Islam in that sense is really uh, retrograde because it uh, returns to the Old Testament principle of command, Uh, whereas in Christianity uh, the, uh, the free will becomes crucial to one's salvation and uh, our own choice between good and evil and our ability to know good and evil, uh, Islam really puts us back into the sphere of uh, strict uh, uh, obeyance of commandment without any uh, personal moral discernment. In that sense, uh, as we discussed earlier, Muhammad's personal example as recorded or as allegedly recorded in the Hadith is even more important as a source of jurisprudence and uh, as uh, uh, the legal code to be extrapolated through deduction than the Quran itself.
0: Well and this is something you've alluded to in earlier episodes about this the simplicity of Islam lending itself to the peoples of Arabia that you you, if I do these things I will go to heaven and or at least have to follow these if
1: you do these things uh, you have satisfied uh, the requirement for possibly going to heaven it is still uh, Allah's mercy that will decide on the other hand if you violate then you, you may rest assured you will not
0: well, and again, we've talked about this theme in previous episodes because this is all interwoven together. But this Arabic central and Mohammedic central, and they continue to say that Mohammed is, is not the son of God, which is entirely different for Christians who want to imitate Christ, who claims to be God. The idea of following and imitating Christ is, is something that is encouraged and fostered. Whereas they say, well, no, no, we're not saying that Muhammad is God, but yet there is still this, this great imitation. This idea of God and our relationship to him, as you pointed out, at least in two or three previous episodes, it's so different for Christians. Even the Old Testament God, uh, who, who seemed uh, roused to anger, which we, we don't see in the New Testament, there is still some sense of logic behind his actions. Whereas it seems that Allah, as you say, sometimes verses are changed, sometimes they are forgotten. And at the end of the day, as you just said, we don't really know. All, all, all we can do is, is hope, <laughs> maybe, that uh, we, we might go. Uh, but there's, there's, there's not really a, a, a rhyme or reason to this, this entity.
1: Uh, we need to draw the distinction between God revealing himself Uh, which to a Muslim is an utterly heretical concept, and uh, God revealing his commandments and communicating his law, which is the essence of Islam. So, uh, whereas the Muslim sees the Quran as the perfect or perfected gospel, the Christian sees the perfected gospel in Christ, the word incarnate. And uh, The difference between the two uh, has been reflected in both the sense of morality and uh, sensibility and the understanding of human nature and uh, of the relationship between man and God. Uh, In uh, the Christian paradigm, uh, God reaches out to man. Uh, God loves man and wants to help him be saved. God offers him the path to salvation. and. Even, uh, as I think I mentioned in one of our previous episodes, that famous fresco, Michelangelo's fresco on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, where God and Adam reach to each other and their four fingers uh, touch, uh, is uh, the epitome of of this two-way process, which to uh, uh, an Orthodox Muslim is utterly heretical. God is unknown, unknowable, and uh, is only to be obeyed, and and man only has to prostrate himself before God. After all, it's reflected (coughs) in the meaning of Islam, which means submission. So, uh, the Fall casts a shadow, and uh, the Incarnation makes reconciliation possible. The concept in Islam is non-existent. Allah, by contrast, is unpredictable, unknowable, and even capricious, but uh, we nevertheless have to obey him unquestionably and certainly not to speculate on the reasons he passed a certain command through Muhammad or he changed his mind over some of, of his revelations. He reveals only his will, not himself.
0: Well, and this necessarily diffuses into the, the so the so-called proselytism. Islam is not interested in converting you by argument, but about letting you know what your choices are, which are conversion, jizya, or death, and 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 so we see the logical output. If 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 Allah can be capricious and you must simply submit, then that is the message that has to be passed on.
1: And according to The Hadith, it started already in uh, uh, Muhammad's lifetime, where one of his relatives in Mecca expressed uh, some uh, reluctance to convert to Islam, and Muhammad warned him that the alternative would be death. And he said, okay, I will do it, even though (coughs) in my mind uh, some doubt remains. And Muhammad said... Uh, I will accept conversion by mouth, and in the fullness of time, if not you, then uh, your successors will will become Muslims by heart. And that, this is exactly what happened, for instance, in uh, my native uh, country, in uh, the former Yugoslavia and all over the Balkans, where initial conversion was uh, primarily meant to alleviate uh, the financial position of uh, impoverished Christians. In many cases, they even preserved somewhere hidden away the icons of of their saints and uh, uh, preserved the memory of who their patron saint had been. But uh, with the passage of time, successive generations would uh, accept uh, not only uh, the, the message of the Quran and, and the whole uh, Muhammadan mindset, and, uh, but, but more importantly, the cultural and political connotations. They became Muslims, not so much in terms of uh, burning faith, which was certainly present uh, in the early centuries with Muhammad's followers, but as members of uh, an elite which belonged to the ruling class of uh, the Ottoman Empire, or at least from which the members of the ruling elite would be recruited. And uh, uh, this was uh, manifested in the way in which the first two generations of converts would still retain uh, close family ties with uh, uh, the Christian brothers and sisters, uh, and then would gradually draw away from them in order to become, maybe three or four generations later, their outright oppressors. And uh, some authors, such as Ivo Andrich, the author of The Bridge on the Drina, for which he won the Nobel Literature Prize in uh, 1961, suggests that there was an element of collective guilty conscience among the uh, converted uh, communities uh, for the fact that they effectively betrayed their legacy and and accepted the conquerors' both faith and uh, uh, rewards that come with uh, conversion, and that's why they Uh, very often and not only in the Balkans but also in the Middle East and in the Iberian Peninsula became uh, more strict, more oppressive in their treatment of the local Christian subjects than initially the Arabs had been or later on the Turks.
0: I think that's a good place for us to end today's Arabo and Mohammed centered episode. Thanks as always for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to a podcast of the Fleming Foundation. All rights are reserved. These podcasts are made possible by our paid members who ensure that our hosts and writers can contribute regularly, not on a volunteer basis. If you have any questions about anything you heard on today's episode, or if you wish to acquire rebroadcast rights, please email podcasts at fleming dot foundation until next time on behalf of all of us here at the foundation make the most of a dark age